Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. As you've defined the indie creator, they are building the future of community digitally. You know, you talked about the three types of community leaders. I think that's the number one. Three, two, one. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. Hey, this is Adam Marks. I'm a tech founder, writer, and consultant, and I've been listening to The Women in Tech podcast for about three and a half years now. Esprit does a phenomenal job spotlighting female entrepreneurs from all over the world. And one thing I love about the show is listening to their stories and how they've built their companies and organizations. We should always be pushing for representation and equality every time we go into the boardroom, every time we look for co-founders, every time we look to hire employees for our companies. So support representation and equality, support the Women in Tech podcast, follow me at AdamMarks13 on Twitter and on LinkedIn. And remember to always look for the orange sunglasses. Lately, I've been so busy from, you know, being there for my family and running business stuff. And on really busy days, I feel I'm busy, period. There's no time for me. And I stopped today. I was actually doing something for someone in my family. And one of my friends wrote and asked me, have I done something for myself today? And I thought, done something for myself? Of course not. I've been racing around for my family. And then I'm like, wait, he's like, well, you should do something for yourself tonight. And I thought, why, why is it that I don't even make 30 minutes for self-care? Like 30 minutes. Of course I can make 30 minutes, right? And so I thought, and I don't want it to be like a zombie task, like watching YouTube videos or Hulu or whatever it is. I want to, I want it to be rejuvenating, whether it be meditation or a walk or, you know, lucky enough to live in LA, go to the beach. Although I think that would take longer than 30 minutes, but something I could fit like super easy in 30 minutes, whatever it may be. Maybe it's even read. That's time for me. I love to read. So I'm going to do that. I'm going to work on 30 minutes a day dedicated to self-care, no matter how busy I am, because I should never be too busy to have time to just like love on myself for 30 minutes. I mean, that makes me a better leader, a better person, a better friend, more compassionate, calmer, a better communicator. So yeah, that's my little personal spot for the day. Enjoy the next episode. Bye. Women in Tech podcast, celebrating women in tech around the world. So excited for our next guest, Kim, coming at us from New York. Hello. Welcome to the show. 
Hello. Thanks for having me. What an amazing intro. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you. We're going to be talking about your, you know, come up story in the tech world and your involvement in a platform that I use all the time. Geneva, it's so exciting. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Yeah, cool. Um, well, I'm Kim. I lead community at Geneva. We are a messaging app built for communities, clubs, social groups, Everything from your book club, your brand ambassador program, your creator community, all that jazz. I'm based in New York. What else? What else is interesting to hear? Well, I think to kick it off, to give everybody kind of a frame of reference about Geneva, and then we're going to spend the majority of the interview just talking about all things you. Right now, everyone's asking the question, how do I build community? What does community mean? Why is community so important? I'm an introvert. How in the world am I expected to put a community together? And Geneva, there's a ton of solutions out there and they all have different pros and cons. I think the best way to choose what solution is right for you is based on your personality and lifestyle. And where Geneva really hits home for me, I utilize Geneva in a lot of ways. I'm a part of a lot of communities that, that use Geneva. The dominant community that I use Geneva with is Creator Now. It's, it's kind of like a YouTuber academy. It's amazing. And we have the most connective spirit. We can, um, I form some of my closest relationships in the rooms where we could join in and either be on video or audio, whatever we're comfortable with, and just talk to one another. So in the middle of the night at like two in the morning, I would be talking to these other YouTubers brainstorming how to optimize our channels. It's absolutely amazing the connective energy that Geneva empowers us as community organizers to create. So you could see even as an introvert, you could facilitate a bunch of like-minded people around the world getting together. And just by the technology itself, people in your community can start to connect with one another. Can you kind of elaborate on that, Kim? Yeah, yeah. I love I love everything that you you just shared. I think, you know, for us, what we're really our mission really as a as a product and as a company, honestly, is to make creating a community, especially digitally, accessible to people. And I think your point um is so resonant to me about like, I'm an introvert. How do I build community? I'm someone who was totally an introvert as a kid and, you know, kind of fell into community in I didn't come from tech. I was originally in the beauty industry and then moved into into tech. And I think, you know, community building can in and of itself be intimidating sometimes. And so the most important thing is that people who are building communities, again, whether that be like a book club, a mom club, or, you know, a creator community, a brand ambassador program, have the most accessible and like easy to use and fun tools to do it. And so for us, it's always this kind of um, North Star of, you know, marrying really robust tools that hopefully every kind of community can use with fun and accessibility and ease that allows anyone and everyone to use them. Let's go into your background. When did you first discover technology and start to walk that path in life? My background is I used to work at Glossier, which is a beauty company, and I led community there from the brand's launch, basically a couple months after the brand's launch in 2015 to 2020. You know, my introduction, I think, to the like community X tech intersection was really, honestly, like the first couple of months of doing community at Glossier because I 
I hosted our first event. And then everyone who came to the event was like, we want to stay connected. We want to meet each other and, you know, stay connected digitally. And I was like, oh my God, where do I bring all these women? And it was funny because, you know, even at the time, this was 2015, I was like, okay, well, I don't want to do a Facebook group. That feels like kind of played out. And so I did it on Slack and I I hadn't, I didn't do it out of desire. I did it out of necessity, needed a place to bring people together. And that felt like a good one to, to use. From that point on, I was like, it's kind of weird that we don't really have an app that where I can just do this. I mean, I, there were a lot of, or a good number of like B2B community products, but those just for me didn't really speak to the kind of casual nature that I wanted for the community that I was building. And they, you know, they cost money and they were kind of a little bit more difficult to set up. And so I did it on Slack and that ultimately, even though it's, you know, five years later, six years later that I ended up joining Geneva, that ultimately was actually really kind of like the catalyst for wanting to find a solution to this and wanting to be a part of like what the solution to this looks like. And I know Glossier is extremely huge, but just to make sure everyone is plugged into what it means of you producing, you know, the first community event going to, you know, what it became, where did it start and and where did it end up before you transitioned to a new company? Yeah. So I started at Glossier when, before it was Glossier, it was just Into the Gloss, which was the beauty blog that um, the founder created in like 2010. And I started at Into the Gloss when I was actually in college. I went to college in New York um, and I started interning there as an editorial intern. It was just three people. And then a year later, Glossier launched while I was still there. And so where it started was like, you know, when we were thinking about what community looked like, I was just kind of like trying stuff. I mean, this was an era of, you know, brand community where there weren't a lot of like comps for me um, at the time. Community wasn't really a job that a lot of especially kind of young like D2C brands had. And if they did, it was social media or it was influencer. Um And so for me, I, you know, I started our first events, I started our Slack, I started our ambassador program, which was called our rep program, but it was a lot of just like trying new things and trying to figure out what does community building as a brand and a brand that, you know, very fortunately had such a engaged network of people and customers around it already what does community building look like? And then, you know, by the time I left, I left in 2020 to join Geneva, the brand was 300 people. And the kind of end state of that was figuring out what does community mean at scale for a brand that is now global and, you know, that has a massive audience and a massive reach. What does it mean to really build community in an authentic way? A hundred percent. And community is something I, I think about incredibly often. So I'd like to dive into this a a little bit more because I think there's three types of community builders. There's the person building community as an indie creator. There's the um, person building community on behalf of the company that they work for. The person building community solely to develop their own thought leadership. And I think The tough one is especially usually the indie creators are the most heart driven 
because it's like coming from their heart and they're also the ones that usually don't get paid and then get burnt out. And I think the best bet are the ones that are building for a company, except they actually don't really know how to build community. They're just kind of like doing a job, which is interesting. And then the thought leadership one, I think that they are missing the point of like the of a community. Can you walk us through how to build a thriving energetically and sometimes financially sustainable community. And when I say financially sustainable for an indie creator, is there a world where that indie creator can, you know, use Geneva and be paid (laughs) for facilitating their community? And as a, a corporation, what is the best way to utilize Geneva for your community and that lead to higher customer retention and more sales. And I'm going to kind of leave thought leadership out because it's not where I feel the most passionate. (laughs) Fair enough. Yeah. I I think that breakdown is really, really, really good. And I, I agree with you that I think the indie creator community builders, especially at least what I see on Geneva are really create the most kind of, you know, magical, if you will, spaces because oftentimes they're creating communities where they're just passionate about something. And that might be wellness. It might be mental health. It might be being a creator, but it's all about the conversation, right? And I think the, at least the underlying message that I hear from you on like the thought leader community builder is it ends up being about me as an individual, as opposed to being about the conversation and the connection that I can have with all the people who care about this thing too. And I think that at the end of the day, that has to be what whether it is you know creator a brand whoever that has to be an underlying the underlying theme of the community that you're building in order for it to really be meaningful for people on the first piece on the the indie creator community what we see a lot and what i believe is that like the creators who build the most kind of engaging places as i mentioned are the ones that have that have created around a topic, right? It's not like this is my space where I just share stuff with my followers, but it's, you know, I want to talk about this book that I love, or I want to talk about ways that, you know, other people have found to manage ADHD. We have this incredible creator who started a community for people with ADHD um, that's grown to like thousands of people in the past week. That kind of stuff I think is super, super meaningful. And I think your point is really true that community leaders can get burnt out quickly. And I think it's all about, I think there are a couple of things. I think one, especially when you're creating a space where it's all about the interest, you have the ability to democratize ownership a bit more. And I think that that's really, really valuable and something that you know, especially when you're an individual creating community is a really nice thing to kind of lean on, which is like, you know, I've created this space, but now it's, you know, a thousand people, 5,000 people. And I want to make sure that like, there are other people who are in partnership with me to make it run and make sure that it's healthy and all of that. And so what we see is, you know, I have uh, what comes to mind is that a queer book club on Geneva called Safflet and the founder Nina is a book talker. So she makes TikToks about books and she created this community. It's grown to like 4,000 people, but they really are a book club. Like they read two books every month. 
They have the author come speak at the end of the month. It's really, really cool. But she has what she calls her circle of trust. And they're all kind of in it together and responsible for, you know, making sure new members are welcome. And, you know, different members of the circle of trust own different rooms in the home, which is quite cool. And I think that having that kind of distributed ownership really allows for communities to be more sustainable, but also allows for the communities to flourish a bit more because it's like the leaders and the people who are really active and engaging people, there's many of them, right? It's not just one person. Um, So I think that that's a really good thing to do when you're an individual who's creating a community. How is an indie creator both financially and energetically sustain themselves? There's so many indie creators uh, I should say indie community builders um, who are typically are creators too, but let's just use the word community builders. And it's a few years in, which is already way in. Like I wish they could resolve this in the first few months. And they have thousands of members. They're moderating. They're caring. I mean, typically these are heart-driven people, period. And so they are sacrificing themselves in order to care for others. What can we do to evolve as indie community builders to be okay? Yeah, I think it's such an interesting question. It's it's one of the things that we talk a lot about. I mean, I'll, I will share, this is like future looking and but I'm just going to share it anyways, at least for us as a product, because I think it's 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 relevant. You know, so as you know, maybe some listeners don't. Geneva, Geneva is free to use. And what we will be building into the product later this year is essentially all of these monetization tools that the community leaders can layer into the community as it makes sense, right? So of course, there's like, you know, charge for access to my group. Um, that's kind of the the highest level of, you know, what monetization can look like. But there's also, you know, charge for access to a room in my group. And for those listening, you have your home, which is your group on Geneva. And then within your home, you have your rooms, which are essentially like channels. And you can have rooms for anything from chat or post to audio or video or broadcast. And so what gets interesting about that is you could say, you know what, I always want to be able to let anyone be a part of my community. But we have, you know, a paid post room for paid content or a paid, you know, video room for, you know, monthly video chats or whatever the case. And then, you know, you'll have paid events, you know, all of these different kind of top to bottom monetization layers that community leaders can layer into their space whenever, however, makes sense for them. And I think that that's one piece of the solution you know, I, I definitely think that that is something that communities need more readily accessible. Right now, it's a lot of like stitching things together. I mean, we definitely have communities on Geneva that are using Patreon to say, you know, pay for this piece of merch and you get access to this specific room. And we want to make that simpler and just like easier for them to do. And ultimately, I think when you make it easier and you make it all in one product, you also allow people to do it in new ways that they wouldn't have otherwise thought of. And so I think that that'll be really interesting to see what it powers and the kind of creativity and innovation that that powers. I still think a lot about this question that you're asking. And, you know, one of the things I've thought a lot about for Geneva, and we're we're still so small, so we're not quite here, but it's definitely something that I want for us to do is like, a community leader grant program, right? Because there are so many cool 
communities. And I'm, you know, I feel extremely strongly about the fact that I think, you know, as you've defined the indie creator, they're building the future of community digitally. I think that that is the number one, you know, you talked about the three types of community leaders. I think that's the number one. And I think that what I'm super, super excited about is, you know, we're already seeing such innovation from, you know, creators who are building these communities and then realizing the power of the communities that they've built. But yeah, I want I want to see more tools and more, you know, resources to support because I, I really believe that that is the future of what the kind of community space looks like. And and we'll move on from this particular thing because you and I could deep dive like forever and ever. But the main takeaway at least from the indie creator, anybody who is an indie community builder right now or who wants to be an indie community builder, you deserve to be okay too. I just want to say that. You deserve to be okay too. Don't think to be a great community builder means to fully sacrifice yourself. And I know this conversation isn't going to solve that for you right now, but just know to start exploring a way that you are okay and you are full because the only way for you to be your best and to serve to the best of your ability is for you to be okay first. And so let's let's transition to now just because I think it it interests everyone is what were the things that really worked as a company building community to do that? And then I want to get I want to pivot back into your background. So let's just talk about as a company building community, what were the elements that were really effective? And then I'm excited to like hear more about your pathway into technology. Yeah, I can speak to as a company, both like my own experience now, my experience in the past and and also just, you know, I've, I've been really fortunate now to see a bunch of different brands building community on Geneva and like see what works for them. I think there are a couple of things for for companies building community. Uh, first and foremost, I think really understanding who your people are and and what the community is meant to serve for them and and you know alternatively like what the community is meant to serve for you as a business is really important. And I think that, you know, there's this idea right now that every business has to have a community. I don't necessarily think that that's true personally. <laughs> I think that building a community, to your point, it is hard. And building an authentic community is even harder. <laughs> and not every brand has to build a community in order to, you know, make a brand that has value for people, right? Um, sometimes there are brands that you're just like, I just want to buy this thing because it's really convenient for me. And then you want to go about your day. And that's okay. Um But I think for the brands that do, really spending the time to understand why they're bringing people together. And I say bringing people together because that is what a community is, right? I think there's um, sometimes a conflation between community and really, really good customer experience. And great customer experience can mean that you are asking your customers questions and, you know, doing all of those things that a a brand who really wants to know about their people and serve their people best should do. But building a community means that you're connecting those people because you believe and you know that there is a through line that will make them, you know, relevant to each other and want to, you know, actually connect with each other individually. And so you become kind of the facilitator of connection. 
Is there a particular thing that you noticed in your experience that like, like a very specific thing that maybe like any of the companies listening right now can implement into their communities that really quote unquote worked? Like, was it in-person events and how did you invite, how did you get people to show up? Or was it the digital aspect or was it the email or was it a line in the email or was it a subject line or was it a text message campaign? Like which element was the most effective? Yeah, it's a great question. The kind of like annoying answer is I think it totally depends. Like it's <laughs> it it's dependent on, <laughs> no, I know it's totally depends. It depends on the size. It depends on like the stage. So I'll, I'll say a couple of things. Um, I think IRL for community, obviously I recognize the irony. Like I work at a digital community company, yeah. but no, I do believe that okay. IRL is Listen, creator, really now important. we have gone on the most epic height. Look, we all hang out on Geneva. That is where we meet. We're all around the world. And then creator now has been amazing enough to create like an amazing meetup in LA. We went on the most epic hike. I'm from here and I didn't even know that hike existed. They did a meetup in New York. They did a meetup in Austin. It's like the point of community, of digital community community is to form these really meaningful, high rapport connections. And then you meet offline and solidify those connections even further. Totally, totally, totally. And I think that that was definitely something that I experienced too when I was at Glossy. It was like we, the whole reason why I created a digital community was as an output of an IRL event where all of these people got to spend time together and then were like, oh, we need to stay connected to talk about this and to talk about that. Um, and, and relatedly, I see so many communities on Geneva that are digital first, right? Like Creator Now, where they've like, you know, been brought together because of the internet. But the output of that is like, who's hosting a meetup in New York, like you said, or a picnic in LA. And, and I think that that stuff is super, super powerful. And so for brands, especially when, you know, you have more of the resources to do that, um, I think doing that is really cool. And, you know, brands that also, again, kind of, democratize that and partner with their members to bring those kinds of experiences to life. Um, I think that is a really, really magical thing to do for your people. Other thing that I would say, and I know this is, you know, you're going to know this Esprit because you, you really know this space, but like the other thing that I would say, especially for brands is being consistent and showing up consistently and, you know, having rituals in your community. And those rituals, rituals can be things yes. like, yeah. Yeah, that if there was one, okay, there is the actionable thing. Yeah. Rituals. Yeah. Yes. Okay, go, go. Yes. Tell us. <laughs> I know. I know. I'm speaking your language. So, I mean, you know, I really, really believe, especially for brands, when you're bringing people, you know, especially if you're bringing people to a digital space, you want for them to come in understanding what they can take part in because it will also let them know how they can show up, right? And so having rituals, and those rituals can be things that are as, you know, simple as, you know, Fridays, Twitter Tuesday, Fridays at 5 p.m., everyone shares their win for the week, right? Or it can be, you know, as kind of in-depth as a monthly Q&A session with the founder or a monthly kind of behind the scenes at a new product that you're building. Those kinds of experiences that you can like ritualize in your space are so essential to creating something that has value for people, that they know what they can expect from, and then that they really, you know, they know how to show up in and they know how they can take part as a member. So I, I really think that, especially for brands, having those rituals is really important because, 
you know, it can be really hard when you're, you know, a person who loves a brand and then they create a community, but then you're like, okay, well, how do I, how do I take part? What do I do? What's my, what's my place here? Um, so I think that having those is really, really valuable. A hundred percent. Let's dive into your background. I think this has been really awesome. As, as uh, I mentioned before, community is something I think about almost every day. I think about it every day because I think that a lot of, um, just to be really blunt, I think a lot of people take advantage of the word community or they use it as um, brand marketing and there's not sincerity behind it. And that really pisses me off because I'm a I'm a heart driven community person. And I know that it's people like like me that help Los Angeles become like the third largest startup city that help New York thrive, that help, you know, like. Silicon Valley does its thing. It has its own prominence. But like in general, unless you have like some like outlier like that, it's community builders that build up the ecosystem for the whole thing to work. And it's usually the community builders that are the least appreciated. (laughs) Everybody wants to take from them, but nobody wants to put back into it. And so it's just an ecosystem that is vital and that I think a lot about because I want to help be the solution of how the heart-driven community builders can be okay too. Totally. And it's it's so funny that you say that. Like I say to people all the time, I I feel like community is a word that means everything and nothing at this point, you know. Everything is referred to as community so much so that I'm like, what what is it? <laughs> you know, and I I will say I feel I do feel really really lucky because I get to watch and, you know, support to your point, so many like just true heart driven community builders. I feel like we have, you know, we're very fortunate to have a lot of those on Geneva about who are bringing people together about their thing, whether it's the environment or mental health or whatever it is. And that kind of stuff, it it takes work. Um, but it is so meaningful. Like the conversations that I've seen happen and the connections I've seen happen are just incredible. And um, it's, you know, it it really has to be valued to the fullest extent. Let's pivot back into your history, your background. I'm so excited to hear how you transformed from being in the fashion world. And then in college, you were working on um, Glossier's blog before it was Glossier. And then you ran through that in community. So walk us through, like, what was that transformation like in college? Did you know, like, oh, yeah, this is my future? Or was it just like a random blog I'm working for? And then I just kind of got lucky. Yeah. (laughs) Um, It's kind of like, it's kind of somewhere in the middle, I guess. Um, So I definitely had no idea what I wanted to do. I was an English major when I was in college. I knew, you know, I was a pretty shy person, but I knew I wanted to be in New York. And so I, I went to Barnard in the city and I studied English. I literally like I've remember sitting down at my desk and like running through the departments list of my school and being like, I guess English will be it because I just didn't know what I wanted. And, you know, I had this fear, this like really like, it was just like this aching kind of feeling when I was young. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of young people probably like relate to this where I was paralyzed by the thought that I didn't know what I didn't know about what jobs existed 
And I was like, maybe my thing is out there and I have no idea what it is. And it's so funny because that ended up being true. (laughs) That ended up being exactly what happened. I started working for Into the Gloss because I loved it. I loved the blog. I would read it every day. I was never like a beauty girl in high school, but I got into beauty because of ITG. And I, I really got into it because of the, you know, Into the Gloss has the top shelf series, which is like their interviews with people on their beauty routines and how beauty like plays a role in their life. And I loved those. Like I ate those up. I would read them every single week. And that's why I got into the space, um, which actually is, you know, very full circle because it was always about the people, you know, from day one. And, you know, I was an editorial intern. I, I enjoyed it a lot, but I realized I didn't want to be an editor and I didn't really think I was a writer And I was like, oh, okay, what do I do? So I was like, I guess I'll go do PR because in my mind, I guess it's like you do editorial or you do PR. Like I really, I didn't know, you know, I was so new and and like green. Um, And at the time, this is like 2013, community wasn't really a job at these kinds of companies. And so I I ended up not doing that. I stayed at, at ITG and what I started doing was ad sales. Um, so, you know, banner ads and like sponsored content for Chanel and Sephora and Burberry, I would do those. I worked for the, the head of ads and I loved her so much. She was like huge, huge mentor to me. I hated ads. I was like, this is not for me. Like, I don't, I don't like the RFP thing. (laughs) I was like, this is not my thing. Um, so that became clear quite quickly. And then, I started doing that like right after I graduated college. And then about a month and a half into me starting as ad sales, like manager or something, they got rid of ads on Into the Gloss because the brand had, Glossier, the brand had launched and they were like, well, we don't need to, you know, have ads for other companies now because we have our own brand, which makes a lot of sense. So I was like, wow, okay. So I'm losing my job a month after I graduated. And so I was like, okay, well, maybe this is my moment to just go somewhere else and go do PR or something. And Emily, the founder, was like, you know, do a tour of all of the roles at this company and figure out what you want to do. And it was actually the most incredible thing that, you know, someone can give you the opportunity to do because I did just that. I shadowed our creative director. I shadowed our CX. I shadowed our product managers. I I shadowed all these people. Just, I mean, I'm fresh out of college and I was like, I have the drive. I have the, you know, the ability to do the job. I just don't know what the job is. And then we ended up having this conversation a couple weeks later where she was like, you know what? We talk about community all the time, but we don't have anyone running it. You should run it. And I was like, okay, that sounds really cool. I like that. And that was how it started for me. And so, you know, I, I started just trying things. I mean, at the time we didn't even have like a UX team. So I was like, I mean, as I was literally calling people and being like, so I'm going to send you one version of a, of a landing page and another version of a landing page. Like it was, it was just totally, you know, young company trying stuff out. And I loved it. And I, you know, I hosted our first events and I, you know, eventually then kind of created our ambassador program, our rep program, which, you know, grew to thousands of people and became a really big part of Glossier's identity um, because it was kind of one of the first ambassador programs that was for your community and not for influencers where it's just kind of sponsored content. 
And that became a big part of my my work was really building that out and bringing, you know, more members of our community into, you know, being the voices of the brand, but also then also returning that back to them by, you know, hosting events and hosting workshops and just doing a lot of fun stuff. I ended up, my last kind of project at the company was in 2020 when I the the brand launched a grant program for um, Black-owned beauty businesses in June 2020. And I, I led that, which was like kind of the most amazing final project that I could have done. I realized I don't want to work in grants <laughs> at all, but it was an incredible project to work on. But I got connected to the team at Geneva and like, 2019 and the the founder Justin he was like you know you you use slack for the glossy community why do you do that and i'm like cuz i don't have another option what do you mean why do i do it and you know he told me about geneva and i was like this is really cool i want to watch from the sidelines and i watched from the sidelines for about a year and then yeah yeah for about a year. i mean well keep in mind this is like mid 2019 is when i we met and then 2020, the pandemic happened. So everything was kind of just a bit quiet for a couple months during that period. Everything was weird, you know? And in June 2020, we had another conversation and I knew I was like, it's, you know, I've I've kind of, I, I realized that, that year that I had kind of given everything I could to Glossier and, you know, vice versa. And I was ready to try something new. And I knew that I wanted to get into tech. I knew that I wanted to still do community, but um, work at a tech company. And it was just the most perfect, you know, thing because I already really believed in Geneva and um, I loved the team so much. And and so I hopped over. Okay, a couple things. What have you discovered about yourself as a professional? I'm curious, like what obstacle have you overcome successfully and how did you do it like for, because you've had such this interesting kind of like fluid journey from college to now with like a couple like wait hold on I need to pivot wasn't prepared for that but I got this so what did you successfully overcome and how did you do that I think that the biggest thing that I successfully overcame I I think I mentioned this earlier, but I was like super, super shy when I was young. Like as a kid, I was like painfully shy. And it's kind of, you know, to be a community person, you kind of got to talk to people. It's kind of like, (laughs) it's kind of part of the job. And I will say like, it has really been, I'm actually even just like thinking about it now, like it has been such a journey from like the first day that I stepped foot in my internship to now, both being able to be, you know, a facilitator of conversation, host events, all of that stuff, which I was really able to come into my own with. But I think the thing that allowed me to do those things was really just like finding my voice. And I've always had strong opinions, (laughs) I would say, but I've always been, or I used to be, no, I don't think anyone would call me this now, but I used to be um, soft-spoken or a little bit more reserved and being able to kind of like find people who helped me really come out of that and really, you know, be in an environment that felt safe where I could share my opinions to the point that I eventually got to where I'm like, okay, I, I can, you know, 
stand up on my two feet in any conversation was like a really big transition for me. Um, And that's what allowed me to become a community leader, you know, and to become someone who, who does this for a living. Um, But it was totally a journey. Like I, I guarantee you that when I was, you know, a freshman in college, I would have been like, there's no way that you will tell me that my job in the future is like hosting events and and like bringing people together and hosting conversations. So yeah, I think that probably was like the biggest hurdle or thing that I overcame. It's amazing. A selfish question. I love to ask everybody this. I'm obsessed with productivity tools, software, other than Geneva. What is your go-to fave, either mobile app, website, anything? Okay, I actually am going to turn this question around on you too. I'm going to answer and then I want to know yours too because I feel like you have your finger on the pulse. I'm using Superhuman for email. I do like it. I do like it a lot. I love Notion. I mean, Notion has a big heart for me. I have to say, I love a notes app. Like a, a iPhone, Mac notes app moment is really, I'm Same. with it, you know? You know, a lot of people are using drafts app. I tried it. I didn't get into it. I'm going to give it another shot because people recommend it so much. But I'm all about the, what's it called? The, the native notes app too on iPhone. Totally. Like, I just feel like it's a good, it has just enough composability that it allows you to do the things that you want to do. But but not too much where it's like complicated or too pretty that it distracts you or anything like that, you know? So I love those. And then, I don't know, this is not at all a productivity tool, but I'm going to throw it out there because what the hell? Um, I love, (laughs) you're going to be like, Kim, what? I love the daily horoscope app. No, that's great. It is the most like, I know, I know. I actually think that I need to be in LA. Honestly, I think I would thrive. It is the most like janky looking app. If you go and download it, you're going to be like, Kim, what is this? It's so janky looking. But let me tell you something. It is so accurate. And every person that I talk to that uses this app is always says the same thing. It is so accurate. It's crazy. I had a, a half blog that, you know, it defines the word procrastination because I wanted to share all these things and then I just didn't maintain. What, my dream is to one day re reignite my hobby blog and just share I all love these that. tools. But I have to do it in I an easier that. way. Anyway, speaking of productivity, what they, it's such a contradiction <laughs> that like I can't build the blog with ease, but yet I know all the ways to get things done faster. Um, I mean, that's like <laughs> why we love productivity tools. We're like we're <laughs> never productive enough because we're always spending time Googling productivity right? tools. Right? It's so true. Okay. Newest find. <laughs> that is like making me drool like crazy, mmm.page. So it's a website builder. My background is action sports. So I love action sports vibe. But in order to build a website with an action sports vibe, you need to have like a really expensive designer that knows how to not only design that and also code that because coding those kind of graphics is extremely hard. And so I've never been able to build an action sports vibe kind of website for myself because I can't afford, I'm talking about like you need the top of the top to know how to code. It's all custom code. So mmm.page is a website builder. Kim, they have a free version. Highly recommend you spend your Friday night building yourself a little Kim page. I'm telling you, you're gonna call me and you're gonna be like, oh, you weren't kidding. 
I could put like gifts on the page. I could put like unicorns. I could put like flying diamonds. I could put like all sorts of different kind of fonts. I could put all different kind of like, you know, that cool sticker label graphic. I could do that. You could paint on it. So if I just wanted to draw on my website, I could draw a big heart. I could draw a sun. Like it is just like, I'm like, what am I using? This is amazing. And yeah, so they have a free version and a paid version. I got they have a, a deal for annual. I bought it. It's something really cheap. It's like fifty dollars for the year or something if you like buy before May because it's a startup. And so whoever this founder is is like, yo, if you support me, I'll give you this ridiculously low rate for a year. I'm like, I'm in. You know, this is the coolest thing. So yeah, mmm.page is my new favorite find. Love Notion. Use it a lot. Been optimizing, utilizing Notion with the um, back end integrations like. I use Typeform and so people fill in a form and then the results go to Notion and then I could organize all the data and it's just it's so amazing. So Notion Typeform. I've been dealing with something stressful in my life and so I asked my friends um because it's something I'm going to ha- I've been having to deal with uh like re- recurring and so I asked my friends is there something that I could do right before and right after this stressful thing to kind of recalibrate my mind and my girlfriend essentially she's amazing to make a a, a super long story extremely short she was in a, a marriage where she got uh, cheated on and like and like destroyed and her business was stolen and she completely reinvented her life and she's one of the most powerful women ever now. It's it's incredible to have seen. Anyway, so I asked her and she said there's an app called Pause and so I downloaded it and it's great and essentially it's just like a one to three minute sort of like mini meditation but you put your finger on this thing on your phone that just like calms your brain And then I legit feel better. So I go into this stressful situation. There's no way. It's just stressful, period. And then the second I'm done as a habit, I'm like, all right, go to pause app. And then my brain just like recalibrates and I'm okay again. I use headspace for meditation, but like I'm not trying to get into like, let me sit down and like meditate. Like I'm not trying to go there. I'm just trying to like real quick, like fix me quick so I could get on with my day. You know? <laughs> right. like, <laughs> so I can be productive yeah, when you get back to my productivity. So use all yeah. my tools. Yeah. So that that's my little tool set. What is a book, um, a book or creator you recommend that we follow? Oof, um, a book or creator to follow. Or maybe I both, mean, like a book you recommend yeah. and a creator. Like it could be a podcaster, a blogger, a YouTuber, a Twitter, anybody. So on the community end, I mean, I love People and Companies Get Together book. I think that they really what like- What is it called? Oh, People and Company, they're, uh, they used to be. Now they actually, I think their team all works on Substack, which is really cool. But they were before a community- agency, podcast, and they had a book. Podcast was great. And the book is also awesome. And I think it's a really good reference point for people who want to understand community, but want to understand the diverse ways in which communities show up. So they kind of showcase a real range of communities. And I think they're, I think they're awesome. Um, So that's a really good one on the like community front. Another one that I I'm like, forgetting the name i'm about to like google one of the ideas from it really quick i love oh yeah i love the artist's way have you heard of that before yeah i have it and i need and i've done the program but i need to like properly read it i really like 
I started, I bought the, obviously I feel like it's a really popular like thing that people talk about. And I got the book summer last year. And cause I was really, I think like, you know, winter 2021 was a, was a, it was a dark time. And I got it summer last year. Cause I really needed to just kind of like refresh and reinvigorate kind of, you know, all of my, my brain, if you will. And it really, I mean, I think it's, I know a lot of people kind of pick it up and put it back down and pick it back up. And I, I've done that too, but I love a lot of the exercises in it. I love a lot of the just like prompts and I love morning pages, which I've like taken. And now I do every single morning, which has been incredible for me. So I also love that. And I highly recommend it. And I think, you know, anyone can be an artist. So it's not just for, you know, people who paint or write. And then people to follow. Oof. Oh my gosh. Honestly, I think that you're a good, you're a good follow. Oh my God, what a you have a lot of like, yeah. Cause you have a lot of like interesting, both questions and prompts that, that then give really like get really good answers and like just interesting things that you share that I think are cool. So yeah, I would, I would say that. And then I'm trying to think of another person. I mean, I know I, there's a lot of people that I'm inspired by, so I don't know why I'm blanking, but oh, oh, I have one. This is also a bit random, but I love, I'm not like a huge fan of Masterclass just because I feel like it's like kind of hard to watch, you know, Masterclass that um, app. But there are two people who have amazing Masterclasses, I think. One is Sarah Blakely, founder of Spanx. She's such a genius and like, Oh my God, she's so good. I really, really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed Issa Rae's. I love Issa Rae. I think she's like such a, an amazing, like, you know, multi-hyphenate, like true multi-hyphenate. So those two, I really, really liked and I would recommend. Speaking of productivity, creativity, and community, while we have been doing this interview, I have an iconic idea that I'm not going to share on the air. I'm going to share once we get off. And I got the domain name buildcommunity.love. And I'm hoping that it makes sense of this thing that I have in mind that I'm going to tell you. But so anyone who wants to cyberstalk that, nothing exists on it because it just happened. And this isn't even edited yet. So I think I have time. (laughs) But uh yeah, buildcommunity.love to see it, to see if anything became of my creative idea. Wow. <laughs> oh my god, we need to discuss ASAP. Before we wrap up, is there anything else you want to share? I'd love to ask like is there anything that we could do to support you as a community? Speaking of community, we have so many people around the world, you know, listening in. Is there something we could do to support you in your success? Oh my god, that's such a lovely question. You know what? I think the biggest thing to me is like I my email is kim at geneva.com. It's really easy. And I love to get notes from people who are either building community on Geneva. I mean, that's obviously amazing, but also just like building their own communities in the world. And like the thing that I love and is kind of the best part of my job is just like hearing how people are building community, what they're doing, what what they're loving, what's not working, like all of that is just amazing to me. And I'm like, uh, just always a learner. And so the biggest thing I would say is like, if you're building community, and you want someone to talk about it with, <laughs> I am here to talk about it. I love hearing about people's people's journeys with this stuff. So hit me up. And I'd love for you and I somehow even if it's only like energetically 
because you and I are so fully immersed into the world of being a community builder, just continue to shine a light on those indie creators so that I it just I, it breaks my heart every time I see a creator who's been um, building community for, you know, three plus years, even one year. But when I hear the three or five years and thousands of messages and I hear they're like, I just started charging for something because I can't handle the thousands of messages and no one no one wants to pay for it. Do you know do you know last week no it was like 3 weeks ago I was on this private call like it was a, a small group call and there were these women creators and they shared this story. I'm not going to say because, who because I want to be respectful. They shared this story how they've been building for years on a specific platform and like and they just started charging for something and no one's coming and it broke my heart because that's the way it goes. Everyone just expects the community builders okay and I just Venmoed them a few hundred dollars and they hadn't even like done whatever it is yet i'm like i don't care i'm like i just want to be the first for whatever it is (laughs) totally dude i mean it's she said she almost started crying when she received it i know and i think you know we we spoke to this a little bit but i i i strongly believe that you know okay so i i think about like youtube basically coined the term content creator, what, 12 years ago, because that was what people were because of YouTube, right? And the way that I see things going is I think that there's going to be, to your point earlier, this kind of new identity online um, that, you know, community creator, whatever it ends up being, where people, maybe they don't even have audiences, but they're building incredible, meaningful communities digitally. And I think that to that point, what we're seeing is, you know, for community builders, a little bit of, you know, what was happening with like content creators early days where it's like, no one really understands the, the work and the time and the effort put in. And, you know, I really, I believe, and I hope that, you know, when it comes to how products support those folks that, that it's, you know, partly on us to build the tools and to build the resources to be able to support people. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot that we, that still has to be done, but I, I, I think that I'm hopeful and I believe that, you know, we can build a future that's a bit different than the one that was built before. Totally. There's a huge difference between the word community and the word audience. In my opinion, audience is a one-way interaction and a community is an exchange, a mutually beneficial relationship amongst two people. It's not a one-way thing. And that's just really important. This isn't about getting attention. This is about creating a meaningful experience. What is a quote that we should leave out and how can people connect with you? Like something that someone told you once that's really helped support you in, in your path. I'll say one that's not really a quote, so I'll say it quickly because it's not as cute. But my mom told me early on in my career to keep a Rolodex, which is funny because now no one knows what a Rolodex is. But, you know, you get the point. Keep a Rolodex of all the people that you meet because it will help you in the long term. And I was like, I know, I was like, oh, my God, please, mom. Nobody knows what a Rolodex is. Like, you're just old. And I started doing it once I, you know, became a little bit older and understood that she knows way more than I do. And now (laughs) it is actually such a valuable, valuable thing to do. So I really give that advice to everyone. And then my second piece of advice is my second pieces of advice are to trust your gut always and to take your time. Yes. Now, the Rolodex, do you actually have a physical Rolodex or do you use a site for your Rolodex? 
You know what I use? I'm picturing a spinning thing on your desk right now. <laughs> I kind of want to. Like, I feel like I should buy one. I need to go to Staples, a store that I have not been to in <laughs> like 10 years. But um, you know what I do? I use my Mac and iPhone notes app. Wait, for real? Yeah, I just make one of those little charts in my notes app. It's just running with like names Wait, and people and beats. You have Dude, one I, single notes app with a bunch I, of names? Yes. Stop it. I sound crazy now that I say it out loud, but it's true. I have a note called personal Rolodex. And then it has, because uh, now you can put little tables in your notes. Yeah. It's so simple, you know? I'll never lose it. I'll never lose Wait it. Wait a second. Wait a second. How do you interact with it? How Do you just go back to the person when you're talking to them and write a new note? Mm-hmm. I just add like little bullets under my little context and notes. Um, <laughs> Yo, can my you table. send me like a small screenshot of that later? Yes. I want to see the format. I'm yeah. dying. You're going to be like, Kim, this is not efficient. Dude, I just found, let me see if I could find it again real quick. The, speaking of tools, um, there is a guy who built, okay, I'm trying to go as fast as possible. Let's see my slow computer. There's a guy, okay, he built Contactually, which has since been acquired. Do you know the company Contactually? No. And so it was acquired, he's moved on, and he built a personal CRM. Now, the reason why I trust it, now I'm a customer, but I have not used it yet. So um, the reason why I trust it, though, is because his background is in, hold on, I'm trying to find it at the same time. His background is, this contactually is like this amazing connecting tool. Let's see, it is called Relatable. It's a Relatable CRM, so Google it. Um, I did sign up for the beta and um, it seems to be really great uh, contact uh, relationship management digitally. So just FYI, if anyone's interested, it's something I'm gonna be exploring, but I wanna explore Kim's Note app as well. <laughs> it's like so like, JV like it's not it's not cute but it's just it's easy you know it's like oh yeah boop put them in bada boom bada bam sometimes you just got to keep it simple how can people connect with you um okay let's see so I am hi underscore Kim Johnson on Twitter yes my name is really common so work with me and I'm Kim Johnson dot underscore on Instagram um and I'm Kim at Geneva.com Geneva is at Geneva on all channels um yeah hit me up Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. To connect and collaborate with more amazing women in tech around the world, remember, go to womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. Say hello on social at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. I will see you all the things in the next episode. Bye. Bye. Hey, I'm Kim Johnson, head of community at Geneva. We are a messaging app built for communities of all shapes and sizes. Based in New York, and you're listening to Women in Tech. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.